KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. It's six o'clock and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Yesterday, an FDA committee voted to recommend that the agency issue an emergency use authorization for the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine in young people over the age of four. The California report talks to parents, one from Richmond and one from Humboldt County, to ask what this new development means to them. After a look at regional news and weather, Paul Emery interviews co-housing architect Chuck Durrett about the proposed affordable co-housing project now in the planning stages in Placer County. We close with a commentary by Shirley Frerichs. This is the California Report. I'm April Domboski in San Francisco. With yesterday's FDA committee vote endorsing the use of Pfizer's COVID vaccine in kids under the age of 12, public health officials here are getting ready to distribute the kid-sized doses. And they want to make it easy for kids and their parents. San Francisco's health officer, Dr. Susan Phillips, says public clinics will be redesigned so adults can get boosters or initial doses on one side and kids can get their shots on the other. It's going to be different vials, different color. Uh, It'll all be uh, different than the adults. So we do have to wait for those to to end up uh, with us and, and at all of our sites. Phillips says clinic staff will work with parents to keep their kids calm while they get the shot. And there will be lots of distractions. Think stickers and bubbles. It's a moment many parents have been waiting for. One of them is Jessica Nicholson, a choral music teacher from Richmond in the East Bay. Her kids are six and seven. I talked with Nicholson about what it will mean for her when her kids are finally vaxxed. I do feel like that's going to change a lot of things at my house um, as far as a how I'm hoping that the, the stress level, just the worry um, decreases a lot. So When the broader population started getting vaccinated against COVID last spring, there was this sort of collective sigh of relief, people talking about life going back to normal. There were all these official state press conferences about the official reopening. But I think a lot of parents of young kids felt pretty left out of that. How did your life, you know, change or not change at this time? I I felt a little of that relief, but I also had that sort of um, half of me being excited. I teach uh, middle school, so a lot of them had started to become eligible. And so I started to feel more safe and comfortable um, knowing me and my husband were protected and um, some of our family members. But yeah, exactly. I I didn't feel like, all right, let's start going out to eat and let's, you know, go to amusement parks. And we, we felt still like we had to, you know, keep the reins tight because uh, we weren't sure how how things were going to go once things opened up again. Do your kids have any health conditions? Um, my son has mild asthma, um, but... You know, we just we're sort of in the we've been hunkering down this long. We don't we want to avoid COVID um, <laughs> if at all possible. Um, I kind of feel a little like we've tried so hard to avoid it that getting it at this point when we're so close just feels like a huge defeat <laughs> almost. Um, and, you know, I know they might be fine, but, you know, we're concerned about long term effects. And you hear about kids with asymptomatic COVID that later on develop you know, inflammatory um, issues. And um, we're just, we're right on that finish line. So we're hoping 
we kind of feel like we'll probably get exposed to it at some point, but we'd rather be vaccinated prior to that happening. <laughs> What's the first thing your your kids want to do once they are fully vaccinated? We planned to go to Disney World um you know, in a few months, and we had planned it a long time ago. So we're 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 holding out. We're we were praying that we, the kids would be vaccinated prior, and they will be. So that's going to be a big deal. First plane ride, and we'll be in Florida, which is you know questionable. <laughs> but that's that's sort of our big thing. We're we're looking forward to. Again, that was Jessica Nicholson, a teacher and mom who lives in the East Bay City of Richmond. She is eagerly awaiting the final approvals of the COVID vaccine for kids five and up. But for parents with kids under five, the wait continues. I spoke with Mara Fallon McKnight. She's a single mom who lives in Humboldt County. Her daughter is two. Those of us in this boat with the young kids, it's like we are on pins and needles, you know, waiting for these approvals. I'm really excited that this approval is pending um, because I do think after this happens, I know the FDA is going to take up this next, um, these next questions of the younger kids. Right now, though, the ongoing isolation is really tough. She says social media kind of helps. You know, a lot of people that are all adults and all vaccinated, like went back to hugging and meeting indoors. And like, I didn't go back to any of that. I did not at that stage did not get any of my life back, really. Thank God for Facebook in some ways, but as I'm sure you know, it's like, you know, Facebook is a blessing and a curse, right? So it's like my whole community can't watch my daughter grow up because we're isolated and we're away from them, but I can post pictures of her so they can see over the last two years that she's growing and changing. That's a beautiful thing. But every time I go on Facebook, all I see is people getting their lives back, right? I see people on planes. I see people in Costa Rica. I see people at birthday parties with kids. She says it feels different for her because she's parenting on her own. If she gets sick, there's no one else to step in. So she needs to stay buckled down. Like the things that people don't understand, like all the things I thought I would have done with my daughter at this point, taking her camping, right? Taking her to a grocery store, taking her clothes shopping to try on shoes, like, you know, the simple things and the other things, you know? And I think even the camping thing, it feels safe COVID-wise, but as a single mom, Unless those people are in my pod, I would have to hold my daughter and take care of her. No one could, like, just grab her for 20 minutes while I set up my tent, right? So there's just these limitations. Um, And that list is really long, all those things that I'm not able to do. Um, And I don't think about it too much because it'll drag me down. And I get you got to focus on the stuff that's working and the stuff that's beautiful because there is a lot of it. Um, But there are a lot of missed opportunities, and that list just keeps growing. That's Mara Fallon McKnight from Humboldt County. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor. PersonalCapital.com. SF MoMA, presenting the world premiere of Joan Mitchell, a stunning retrospective of over 80 works by the trailblazing painter who made art on her own terms. Learn more at sfmoma.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement.
And that's the California Report for Wednesday, October 27th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm April Domboski. Thanks for listening. Today, at a media Q&A meeting with Nevada County, Public Health Officer Dr. Scott Kellerman explained that yesterday's announcement about the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine for children 5 to 11 is only in its first steps. This is a first vote, then it goes to the FDA, then it goes to the CDC advisory, and then to the CDC, and then it comes out west to the western states advisory committee, and then uh, California Department of Public Health. So there's a lot of eyes that be looking at it before it's approved. Dr. Kellerman went on to say that if everything went as expected, the emergency use authorization should happen by the first or second week of November. At that same meeting, I asked Dr. Glenna Trochet about the risks of myocarditis. Myocarditis and pericarditis does happen because of viral illnesses and other reasons mostly in younger men. So it happens outside of the vaccine. It does appear that the vaccine increases the risk a little bit for uh, young men between the ages of 12 and 30. The risk is 1 in 32,000, according to the analysis that CDC presented a couple meetings ago of the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. The risk of getting long COVID is much higher than that if you got got COVID. The risk of having severe complications from getting COVID, of getting lung disease, of ending up in the hospital is much higher than that risk. So when you look at the risk versus the benefits of the vaccine, it still falls by far to the benefits of the vaccine. Yes, there is a risk. It's a small risk. That's no consolation if you're the one who gets it. But the risk of getting severe lung trouble is much higher than the risk of the myocarditis. If I had a son that was a teenager, I would make sure they got the vaccine. Moving now to regional weather in Grass Valley and Nevada City. Tonight, mostly clear with a low around 48. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 69. In Truckee Tahoe, tonight, patchy freezing fog after 2 a.m., Also partly cloudy with a low around 30. Tomorrow, more patchy freezing fog, this time before 11 a.m., then sunny with a high near 56. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 51. Tomorrow, patchy fog before 11 a.m., otherwise partly sunny, then gradually becoming sunny with a high near 71 degrees. Up next, Paul Emery talks with co-housing architect Chuck Durrett about the proposed affordable co-housing project being planned for Placer County. I'm speaking with Chuck Durrett, and he's an architect in Nevada City, has been for many, many years, who specializes in co-housing. And Chuck, uh, I'm correct in saying you've designed co-housing projects all over the country. That's correct, right? True. About 55 now, including the one in Nevada City and Grass Valley. Yeah, which are become a stable part of the community for sure for many years. But there's some, there's one proposed in Auburn that um, you're 
playing your vital role and your as the designer of that is um, kind of being set up as somewhat of a uh, affordable housing um, project as well as regular co-housing. Tell us about this. Well, we are trying to make about 40% of the units below market and probably 60% will be about market. And um, it's challenging. Uh, we're going through, I just spent the morning with the contractor down on the site and we're going through every line item, every every stick of wood, every lineal foot of sewer line and water line and all the rest and trying to figure out the most efficient way to accomplish it. I mean, uh, when you when you work with co-housing groups, you get super motivated to make them affordable because you learn these people and you you don't want them to drop out of the group because the house is too too expensive. So I'm highly motivated to make this project work on on a, on a less than average price. What is the involvement of Placer County and, and Auburn in this? Well, the biggest thing about Placer County is um, I've spent two and a half years negotiating from uh, with Placer County regarding the site price. And we're not quite there yet, but we're they're looking like they're going to give it to us for a very good price. So, And that because they're motivated to up their count of uh, affordable units in town. So... Their motivation is just what you hope to see from a county bureaucracy. They basically, from the beginning, were, how can we help you? In fact, they actually played a big role in initiating that project. They contacted me and said, Chuck, you know, we've been to Nevada City Co-Housing. We're highly motivated to make that kind of a high-functioning neighborhood in our county, mostly so we can point to it when other developers come along proposing just regular dumb sprawl, they can say, hey, look at that project. We'll see what they did in terms of energy efficiency and, and land use, uh, you know, uh, water drainage and water usage um, and so many other things that, that we've accomplished there that they want to, in, in fact, use it as kind of a model project. But they want it to be in Placer County. They want a model project in Placer County. So, Chuck, I guess the important question is what is the next step here and how can people kind of express their interest in this project? Well, I can't recommend enough. I mean, there is AuburnCoHousing.com, but I can't recommend enough that you get signed up for the Getting It Built workshop. It's a few hundred dollars. And this is where you, you know, learn how to be lean, mean, co-housing machine um, and make affordable housing. So, um, if people say, well, I can't afford $450, then save your money for the next one because, again, being organized is how these projects get built. And when is that uh, meeting going to be? November 6th and November 7th. The main thing I want to say about this project, among other things, there's a lot of nouveau, groovy things about this project, but one that's really something, there's theoretically about 165, 170 co-housing projects now built in the U.S., and they're either senior co-housing or intergenerational co-housing. But as we find in intergenerational co-housing, like Nevada City, it's moved in with 37 kids and 21 seniors, so it's both. And they're consciously embracing that at uh, the Auburn Co-Housing. They're recognizing that it's going to be those kind of numbers, and they want to make sure that it works really well for seniors and really well for families. How can people find out more about this? Well, I would call Sharon at 530-820-3500 or go to auburncohousing.com. Um, and um, worst case scenario, you can call our office number, which is 530-265-9980, downtown Nevada City. 
Um, and I would at least get a copy of the book, uh, Creating Co-Housing and Senior Co-Housing, because therein lies the description of what you know we're talking about. We're talking about people who are highly motivated to create very high-functioning neighborhoods. And so by definition, co-housing includes things like some common dinners and, and things like that. There's no way to sustain community like breaking bread together with your neighbors on occasion. So all of that's included. It's a it's an idea that's been imported from Denmark where they take it really seriously and and we do too at the co-housing company. Chuck Durrett, thank you very much for speaking with KV Mar. Hey Paul, it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. We close now with a commentary by Shirley Frericks, a local leader of the group Waste Not. In it, she encourages our community to look for zero-waste alternatives for the holidays. Are thoughts of delicious turkey, Christmas decor, and presents creeping into your head? Hard to believe it's only two months away. Let's make this holiday season one that honors the urgency of changing habits to help reverse the climate crisis the United Nations has made it clear is happening. We each can do our part, and it will make a difference in the aggregate. Plastic-free. This is about the single-use or short-lived plastic that gets thrown away after a short use. Sadly, there are not yet facilities in California to reprocess all this waste, so most often it has to go to the landfill, where it gives off methane that becomes a greenhouse gas, which advances global warming that adds to climate crisis. Not a good scene. It's a top source of litter pollution besides, and breaks down into microplastics, which are entering our bodies and may become a health hazard. Instead of adding to this potentially unhealthy situation, Enjoy coming up with creative alternatives to plastics in which the whole family can participate. Make decorations together, like paper rings and strings for the trees, and ornaments that will carry sentiment for years to come, rather than a commercial plastic one. A creative natural wreath is, well, a natural here in the forest country, as is a live Christmas tree. Ah, can you smell the pine scent? Yes, what's better than popcorn strings? To minimize plastic accumulation, start by thinking of what can be made or repurposed before buying. Make a conscious decision that's good for your loved one or friend and good for the earth. And it can save you money. Consider one statistic that estimates an average 9% of the amount paid for a product is the cost of packaging. Why waste your money? Sometimes it's greater than the cost of the product inside. Besides, only an estimated 9% of the plastic produced gets recycled. The challenge is to stop the problem right at the source with a buying decision that takes into account end of life. Say no to the landfill grave. Think first about a gift from the heart. And your own hands, like upcycling or refashioning old things into something meaningful instead of throwing them away or buying a new one. When our society is already overstuffed, and buying it locally instead of online. This community needs our support. And consider that buying locally saves fossil fuel emissions from transport vehicles. Start at the farmer's market in Grass Valley and Nevada City. Local craft fairs are fun, full of many unique gifts. Locally sourced gift baskets are fun to create. There are a number of stores in our little towns that are carrying new non-plastic products for children as well as adults. 
You can even buy cards without a plastic covering. Better yet, make your own. Toys are a big category of plastic usage that can be avoided with a little pre-thought. Maybe give experiences instead. Take the kids or friends to a special outing or show. Then they get you in addition to the experience. Or find toys that are not plastic, especially without batteries. Batteries can be problematic when a child is finished with a toy and it's headed for the dump. They're known to catch fire. Non-plastic ideas abound when you look for them. Give the gift of yourself for something you can do for another, like three hours of cleaning or fixing something, or promise your significant other to fix a meal once a week for a while. Lots of possibilities. Giving the gift of life and life-saving support through a charity is a wonderful feel-good gift. Plant a tree with our local Tree Sisters organization that is doing its best to reforest many denuded places in the world and alleviate poverty at the same time. This truly gives a tree of life since it can become a source of income. Many stores have zero waste or minimally packaged items here around town, although it can be an adventure to find them, but that's fun too. Why pay for packaging that just gets trashed and becomes pollution in waterways, air, and bodies? Make it a happy holiday for the earth too. She will thank you. The views expressed on this show are those of the speakers only and are not necessarily those of KVMR, our board, staff, volunteers, or contributors. That wraps up our newscast for tonight, Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. You can hear this and other newscasts again, including expanded versions of our interviews, on our website, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. KVMR is supported by listeners like you and by Sierra Ambulatory Surgery Center, LLC providing outpatient ophthalmic surgical procedures, interventional pain management, also surgeries of the foot and ankle since 2006. Sierra Ambulatory Surgery Center is on Sierra College Drive, Grass Valley. SASConline.com And Ben Franklin Crafts, featuring Halloween decorations to transform the inside and outside of a home into a haunted manor. Also masks, hats, and other costume-creating supplies for Halloween. Ben Franklin Crafts is on Sutton Way, Grass Valley. Don't touch that dial. Up next, host Taylor Wolf speaks with local photography instructor and environmental filmmaker Jeff Litton. And then at 7, we bring you Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. I'm Claudio Mendonça. Thanks for listening, and have a wonderful evening. <laughs>